Beware the premature celebrations over soft landings. The poster child for doing this is, of course, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who back in January declared without any doubt in his mind or in his voice that I am absolutely convinced that this will not happen. Germany going into recession. And of course, we found out that Germany was probably already in a recession by the time he even spoke. And as more data comes in, as more more markets and more economic uh, developments continue to, to show up, it gets to be worse and worse and worse for Mr. Schultz and the rest of Germany. But as I said here, it's not just about Germany. It's about the soft landing. As we've been talking about quite a lot recently, soft landings just don't happen. And Germany is now a exhibit number one of premature celebrations of a soft landing. It's not just that GDP has been negative so far, it's that it's likely to get much more negative. The data continuing to come out of Germany, we've got unemployment, we've got retail sales that absolutely collapsed, and we've got a consortium of academics who advise the government are saying now that yes, the entire year GDP is going to be a minus number. So Steve, Steve, soft landings, premature celebrations. Is there a lesson here in Germany's foibles? Jeff, there is, because I've been studying a lot about this alleged mythical soft landing that, you know, central bankers just put a pillow under the economy and it just it feels good. You kind of just rebound off of it gently and everybody's happy. And yet I look back at the data and I seem to I have trouble finding them. I can't find them at all. In fact, it just seems like, as we talked about before the show, the economy goes off the cliff and they're like the coyote following the road runner. And they, they look down and say, oh, whoops. And down they go. But I read an article recently, and in there was quoted one of Jay Powell's former advisors. And he said, they're difficult to achieve, but they're not impossible, and they do exist. And I thought, this is great. I got to see all the examples of this. He had one. He said 1995. Now, we know that, that in 1994, the year I graduated high school, the economy did indeed slow. In 1995, right, the Fed, you've got the, you know the numbers. The Fed actually cut rates, and then they celebrate. So couldn't that happen again? Well, that wasn't an actual soft landing because there was no recession danger. That's part of the soft landing here, Stephen. You know this. These Fed guys are desperate to try to develop to, to create soft landings where they don't exist. First of all, as we know, the economy of the 1990s, that was a different animal entirely. That was a, a legitimately booming economy. So even if the Fed had the magical power to slam on the brakes, I'll bet you the economy of the 1990s was going to continue to go on anyway. So that was that was more about the economy than not. But let's 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 the soft landing here. There was no curve inversion in 1994. So the Fed raised rates and the markets were like, okay, but nothing's going to stop this train because it's continuing to run. There was no warning from the marketplace that said this economy is in trouble and it, it's it, Alan Greenspan's going to need to back off and lower rates to get us into that nice, gentle, soft landing, which, by the way, he did. He raised rates in uh, 94 and into 95. And then later on, they backed off when they got a little bit cold feet over the economic uh, statistics and the economic conditions. But again, the markets never went into recession mode. So that was not really a soft landing. But you can understand why someone that used to advise Jay Powell would try to make it one. As we talked about, I think, in just a couple of weeks ago, Alan Blinder had to change the entire definitions of a soft landing just to give the Fed credit for one or two along the way. They just don't happen. 
Yeah, and it's frustrating, Jeff, because you know, we sit back and we make fun of them because it's so obvious that they don't have any clue of how the monetary system works. And yet we put them in charge of it. And then we stand there and, and we and we look up to them as if they're the gods of the monetary world that have every perfect control. And this time, for some reason, we're supposed to believe that Jay Powell can execute the absolute impossible when there's zero historical evidence suggests, even if they knew what to do, which... I know you've got some more stuff for us to talk about that they have no absolute clue. And that's what's frustrating here because the U.S. economy, the global economy is indeed going to go off a cliff. But we don't want to believe it because we're all now bought into the soft landing narrative. And then when it doesn't happen, it, it, we know what the Fed's going to do. And all the other central bankers, they're just going to point fingers to someone else or something else. Say, oh, well, we didn't see that. So we couldn't control it. But you can control everything else. Yeah, you know how this goes. This goes... They present this aura, this this sort of this ideal of techno technocracy and technocratic prowess. They 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 give off this 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 entire air of science. Like there's a bunch of guys in lab coats, guys and girls in lab coats working at the Federal Reserve and pushing a bunch of buttons and, and crunching numbers and have they have these fancy calculations and regressions and models, and all this is scientifically determined by mathematics. It's all objective. But there was a fellow by the name of Tom Barkin, and you actually sent me this quote just recently, who is, I believe, the, the president of the Richmond Bank of the Federal Reserve, who, who accidentally let the cat out of the bag here. He said the quiet part out loud. And the quiet part is something that is not that difficult to pick up on if you actually listen to the Federal Reserve speakers. If you ever look at how they operate, you realize what Barkin is saying here is the absolute truth. And what he said was, the path forward to me depends on whether we can convince ourselves inflationary pressures are behind us or whether we see them persisting. I will be watching the labor market closely for those signals to, to what? He's watching those signals for so that he can convince himself that the economy is behaving the way they, they sort of kind of think. This, wait, is, wait, not, yeah, this yeah, is not yeah, a scientific yeah. thing. Wait, wait, stop. Hold on. They're supposed to be data dependent. How they what is what is this? When we sit around having drinks, say, man, can you, are you sure the economy's you know going the way we want? No, they should. He should say, right? I'm looking at the data, and the data says indeed this is happening. But he didn't say that. It's like you said, you know, it's they should say if we see X, then we know Y will result. That's that's the that's the that's the um, that's the persona they take on in the public, and that's what that's what a lot of people believe. They they have this fancy form. They're like engineers. They're building an economy from one lever at a time. And so if we see the labor market do this, then we know this happens, and that's how they determine policy. And what Barkin's admitting here is that, sort of like all of Schultz, we're just kind of spitballing. We're seeing numbers come in, and we're thinking, uh, maybe this is what we want, maybe it's not. And what, this, what he's really saying is, we won't be comfortable until the CPI is back under 2%, or the PC deflator, which just came out. Until the CPI or the PCE flares back under 2%, we don't know what to think. And so we're just going to throw a bunch of shit in the air and hope it hope it works out. That's what he's really saying here, which you and I know that's how it actually goes at the at the, at the central banks. It's not a scientific process. It's just a bunch of people winging it all the time. 
Yeah, and that's what's re- what's really almost frightening about the whole thing here is is we're given this image, right? And we think, you know, here's all these members of the board sitting at this long table and having meetings and discussing the nuances of their calculations or their districts and what they see. And somehow it all comes together and they determine, you know, with scientific accuracy that this is where the federal funds rate needs to be or we need to bring the balance sheet down to so, so the economy can appropriately respond. Inflation comes comes down, but not too much where we where it grinds to a halt and where we see too many layoffs, but just at the right level, because somewhere, and even though we haven't found it yet ever in history, there is a proper level that interest rates need to be. And that's how, how we're supposed to see it. In reality, it's just a bunch of guys and gals, probably with drinks, probably saying, who are we going to blame this on when it goes wrong the next time? Because we can't take the heat. We got to find somebody or someone else to say, and it probably will be Congress. Hey, it's your fault. You shut down the economy. It's not our fault. We couldn't see that coming. We told you not to do that. I mean, there's always an out for them. And that's what's horrible. We can't call them out on the table because they're always just sneaking away. Yeah. And this is, you know, we talk a lot about central bankers and the Fed here, and it's really not about that. It's really because they set the agenda for public discourse, right? They say soft landing, soft landing, soft landing. They're the ones who told German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to expect a soft landing. He didn't come up with that on his own. He went to his, his economists that worked for the finance ministry and said, what should I say here? And they said, oh, oh, don't worry about it. Soft landing. We've got all the numbers. We crunched all the numbers. We believe that's the most likely outcome. So when they tell us that there's going to be a soft landing, we have to realize what they're really saying here. They present it as authoritative. Like we've we've done these Monte Carlo simulations. We've got hundreds of thousands of them. And they say unequivocally the economy is just fine. And we know it because of all this data that we've got and all these regressions. When in reality, as Mr. Schultz is getting an abject lesson in, that's not how it goes. They just throw this stuff against the wall and hope beyond hope that it just works out fine. So what we're really saying here is when you hear Jay Powell or Christine Lagarde talk about soft landing, or you hear a politician say the same thing, the economy's just fine, they're getting that from a Jay Powell and Christine Lagarde who is getting it from just picking stuff out of the air. There's nothing really behind it. Well, what choice do they have, Jeff? Should they come out and just tell people, look, we know we're in charge of this. We push a button, bunch of buttons, but we actually don't even know what they really do. But we act like they do something. And we're just really hoping the economy doesn't go into recession and that you lose your job and stop paying on your debts, which causes the banking system to fail. We don't want all that to happen. So we're going to act really important here. But the problem, as you know, is this is why, you know, people will understand if the Fed knew what they were doing or any central bank any of one. When things go wrong, they wouldn't cut so fast. I mean, you'll notice it's not gradual. We have gradual increases, but we don't have gradual cuts. We have, oh, we did go off the cliff, slam back down to whatever new lower level we need to fix things. And that's the evidence. If they knew what they were doing, they would have this thing dialed in far, far better. Or we could just make the case like you and I do. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. And this whole group of people are entirely worthless. We could just take the funds rate, set it at 5% and say, you know what? It only moves based on one Montebo rates. Good luck. Yeah. So back to Germany, just to, just to really highlight what we're talking here about the soft landing caution. Here's the quote from Bloomberg about the GDP stuff. Germany's economy is on course for its first full year contraction since the pandemic. And these full year contractions don't usually happen. New forecasts showed, though, rebounding consumption should spur recovery in 2024. Yeah, stay tuned for that. 
Output will drop by 0.6% in 2023, according to projections by five institutes that advise the government. That's a gloomier outlook than both the, than those of both the International Monetary Fund and the European Commission. And I would say that's a more realistic output outlook. And it's not realistic enough because incoming data continues to say, you know what, those curve inversions that we saw since last fall, they were absolutely right about where the economy in, in Europe and Germany and the rest of the world is actually going. It's not a soft landing. The markets have warned us all along, don't fall for the soft landing. Don't fall for China reopening. Don't fall for Europe survived the last winter. Therefore, it's absolutely fine because these soft landings don't happen. And like we're saying here, politicians and economists don't know otherwise. They're basically, that guy Barkin isn't trying just to convince himself. He's trying to convince you too. Yeah, because if he convince us, see, that's the greatest part of this illusion. They just have to convince us, no one else. And as long as we buy into it, they'll find a scapegoat. Oh, hey, you know what? We didn't see the government shutdown. We didn't see this or we didn't see that. But we saw all this other stuff and we did pretty good up until the point where we didn't see anything. And then we reacted. See, we caught rates. We did what we could do. It's not our fault the whole system fell apart because we were data dependent. And that's, it's just, Jeff, it's almost disgusting at some level we, when you pull back the curtains and you really see what's going on here, that all the things that they do don't matter. And if they would just listen to the money curves, if they had to have a job, they should just listen to these yield curves and what the market's telling it, because we do know one thing. You can't time the yield curves. We can't time the inversions, but we know they're right. Well, that's the, you know, that's why we're focused on Germany today, because we're talking about timing and thinking about timing. And we've been saying this for months. And I know people start to tune it out after a while. They think, oh, okay, it didn't happen. So it's not going to happen. It's easy to fall into that trap too. But you, we've been seeing the global economy in certain places go first, but the entire global economy has been rolling over throughout the summer and now that we're he heading into fall and the rest of the year, it's as if the dam is getting ready to burst. Um, recent data, and again, we're, this is why we focus on Germany, retail trade for the month of August absolutely collapsed in Germany, down by 1.2% month over month. That's as bad as last, last December when the European economy was, everybody was convinced it was gonna fall off a cliff. Well, here we are again in the same situation the, you know, there was an increase in nominal trade, nominal spending early part of the year as disinflation started to show up, as some relief set in. And then again, rolling over and falling over or falling down, cautionary tale about premature soft landing celebration because it ain't over until the curve steepens out. It's, it's right. It's not over until the bond market says it is. And right now it's saying, it's not over. And what's great, you know, Jeff, we were used to looking at data about how optimistic it's like beating expectations. And now all of a sudden we're seeing unusual slowdown. We didn't see this coming, missed expectations. And we're, and we're only at the beginning. That's the, that's the frightening part. We're just seeing the rollover that no one thought it was just, Hey, there's a soft landing. We're coming out of it. You and I said, nah, don't buy this. Don't buy this scenario at all. If it rolls over and heads down, what do we see today? University of Michigan data says consumers all of a sudden, and, and we said this is going to happen, and it all translates back. If people are less confident, they spend less, they spend less, everything's coming down. And we're seeing that all around the world. It's not just U.S., not just Germany, it's China. It's everywhere. And all of that, Steve, as you know, was before, before this latest surge in oil prices. So as bad as, you know, the economy already rolling over globally, 
the bad situation in Germany getting worse, bad situation in Europe getting worse, questionable situation in the United States looking even more questionable. And then along comes our good allies in Saudi Arabia to pull back on production, spiking oil prices, which is just unlike in March of 2022, we're not seeing the, uh, you know, all the other consumer price numbers and expectations go with it. It's as if consumers know that this oil price surge is not going to work out. And it's not going to work out as inflation. They know it's going to work out like we're seeing in Germany. Yeah, Jeff, there's almost a point not too long ago in history. I think it was called the global financial, oh, yes, crisis, right, where oil prices surged. And what happened? Consumers, of course, they have to spend. You've got housing or rent, you've got food, and you've got energy. Well, if your energy costs are going up, we'll say the other two are relatively stable. I know they're not exactly, but we'll say they are in this example. Your energy costs surge in your budget. Well, what do you do? You've got to offset it. So that hits your discretionary spending side. And next thing you know, that leads to factory orders, new orders going down, leads to eventually layoffs. And you just start to create kind of this momentum to the downside. And I think that's what central bankers really don't get is the economy, it doesn't move as quick as they think to, you know, the federal funds rate or whatever games they're trying to play. By the time they start cutting, the ball's all rolling downhill. Then that's why they, you know, Powell and I keep saying this at some point, he's back to zero and panicking because he's, he could go to zero and it won't change. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, the last point here, as they're sitting there trying to convince themselves that consumer price pressures are indeed abating, the economy's rolling over and falling off. And by the time they realize it, as you said, Steve, they are wily coyote. They're already off the cliff. And that's why they get to furiously cutting rates at that point. And only then will we see the dots actually come back down again. <laughs> why is deflation and recession such a big risk? Find out at the video link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, as well as all our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.